0: So then I brought the artifact back to them, and they made me their queen.
1: Wait, shh. Hold up. What is that? Do you hear it?
0: Warning. Incoming game. Warning. Incoming game.
1: Welcome to Incoming Game, a podcast where we watch
0: and rewatch
1: the 90s animated series reboot.
0: I'm Jessica, a nostalgic.
1: And I'm Ben, a skeptic. I have never seen this show until now.
0: And I grew up loving it. Each week we'll dissect an episode from start to finish. This week is episode two.
1: Racing the clock. Hey Jess, how you doing this week?
0: I'm doing pretty good, pretty good. I, know, I had my mid-year review at work, so that was fun. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but otherwise, not too shabby. How are you?
1: I'm doing good. I just got back from my dad's place putting up drywall, so, you know, that's all in my lungs and great. But I got to catch up on the Adventure Zone on the way over, so that was good.
0: Oh, awesome.
1: And bonus, I haven't been up since 2 a.m. this week like I was last time, so maybe my demeanor will be different. We'll see.
0: You actually got some sleep in you. You're not all coffee and <laughs> insomnia.
1: Oh my gosh. All right. Well, it's episode two of our podcast, and that means you sat through an hour of us blathering last week and decided you wanted more. So congratulations!
0: Well, they've been waiting 25 years for more reboots, so...
1: <laughs> oh, did you have any more updates on the reboot movie?
0: Um, Actually, yes. It's been pushed back, it looks like, until March. Um, So I guess we'll find out. Uh, there's a lot of back and forth on... Exactly what's going on there and not a lot of news. uh, So we'll just have to wait and see. Until then, you've got us.
1: Yeah. Well, let's get right into the episode, shall we?
0: Let's do that. So, Racing the Clock, uh, first aired in September 17th, 1994. It was written by Mark Edens and Lane Reichert. And story is by Mark Edens and Ian Pearson. Ian Pearson, by the way, is one of the creators of the show. And it introduces one of my favorite characters,
1: uh, hexadecimal. Hexadecimal. Well will
0: get to hurry a little bit later, I guess. Uh, but we'll start off with uh, the beginning of the episode. Uh, it starts off at Dot's Diner, where Enzo has started his own business. Yeah, and
1: we're immediately undated with a ton of pop-up ads. I think they got a virus somewhere?
0: <laughs> I think Enzo's uh, perhaps taken a little cue from the viruses that he knows around town.
1: Yeah, he's starting to start up this business, and after a few nanoseconds, he's already disappointed that he doesn't have any customers.
0: Uh, Well, you know, nanoseconds in computer time is actually pretty long, so the poor kid. (laughs)
1: It's (laughs) been a while. It's It's an eternity. But uh, right away, so uh, Cecil lets dot in and then immediately slams the door right in Bob's face, in which uh, so he like pulls like a look to the camera. And this is where I think I know what makes the humor in this show so awkward for me. The reaction shots are played without any sound effects or music or anything. It's just like a slightly extended shot of his face looking miffed, but it's paced so strangely that it like falls flat.
0: I feel like The Office kind of like <laughs> took a lot from, the- I was watching this episode and all I could think of was this was like the precursor to that documentary talk to the camera <laughs> kind <Yeah>. of sitcom because <laughs> <laughs> there is a few, you got the looks to the camera they give and then later on you have Enzo kind of giving little like side dialogues to the to the audience. It just, it felt very Office. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, yeah, Enzo starts babbling about whatever, and uh, Dot interrupts him with, the, uh, well, Bob and I are going to go downstairs. Bob has to mend a tear.
0: <laughs> I see. I wrote the same thing, complete with wink, wink, yeah. nudge, nudge, going to go mend a tear downstairs, and.
1: <laughs> mm, if you know what I mean.
0: <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, as I mentioned last time, and, and we haven't yet found this out, but we will uh, soon. Dot owns a lot of mainframe. Like, she runs a lot of the businesses there. So Enzo kind of has a lot to live up to. So he's there trying to oversell how good he is because he wants to live up to his big sister, which is mm. a little sweet. Yeah. But as soon as they leave him alone, he gets a call from Megabyte. And
1: Being his usual predatory self, too. What a persuasive sales sprite you are. I get the sense that he's not wearing any pants underneath the screen.
0: Um, It's not that he's not wearing any pants. It's that he's not wearing any legs. <laughs>
1: but he wants enzo to deliver a package to hexadecimal who we have not met yet but not to tell her who it's from
0: the part i really liked about this was how much enzo kind of just doesn't care he straight out says you want me to deliver all the packages for your evil empire yeah let's do this let's go i'll be evil (laughs) we super into it (laughs) you're gonna pay me let's do this
1: yeah man anything for a buck
0: oh sorry we actually need to go back a little bit because we forgot his first wrong number.
1: Oh, from Jean-Luc.
0: Yes, and I I know that you are in the middle of a Star Trek rewatch. Did you catch that?
1: When you say rewatch. It's actually just a watch.
0: Just a watch. Sorry.
1: Yeah, this is my first time. I'm, I'm making my way through the, the lore, and I'm yeah, I'm about halfway through season one of TNG.
0: Well, one, we have Jean-Luc. His name is Jean-Luc. Uh, two, Jean-Luc. but he he actually is wearing a little Star Trek uniform. We can barely see it in the it? I didn't catch that, no. Yep. On uh, the vid window, he is wearing a little Star Trek uniform, and he will actually show up later with a very Kirk-esque, well, I don't even know if it's Kirk-esque, more William Shatner-esque character. Oh, really? Yes. Nice. <laughs> uh, so there's there's some Star Trek fans among the writers.
1: Right, so now, so Megabyte then shoves the package through the screen into right into Enzo's hands, which says to me that if he's capable of doing that, he doesn't need Enzo. Like, he could just deliver it wherever he wants. Well,
0: but then she would know who it's from. Right. (laughs) And they did have to open up a special screen for it. Mm. So they had the vid window, which was different, and then they had this other screen, and I don't think it had a name on it, but it had funny orange colors, which you get to actually send stuff through. Uh, but meanwhile...
1: Yeah, spying on the scene from above is some kind of cat ball with a blinking siren hat. It's
0: Scuzzy! <laughs> scuzzy. <laughs> I'm excited we get Scuzzy. Uh, the first of the virus pets. We haven't met Megabyte's virus pet yet. He actually has a pet. We'll meet him next episode.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, downstairs, Bob and Dot are investigating some D12s for an RPG session later. And uh, I guess they're going to do some role play after all, huh? <laughs>
0: I guess they're actually going to mend a tear. (laughs) That's disappointing. So, yeah, they they mend the tear pretty easily. It's kind of like she's got like a rat in her basement and not, you know, something that would destroy the fabric of their reality. Which, you know, (laughs) I guess that's just how it is.
1: Yeah, it's just, like, one of the dice explodes into, like, a little energy ball, and, you know, Bob tells Glitch to fix it, and, you know, oh, well, that was, that was that easy. That was
0: it. That was easily done.
1: Enzo bursts in, and, like, he straight up spills the beans on his secret delivery, not ten seconds after stating that he shouldn't tell anyone because they wouldn't approve. You know, what the fuck, Enzo?
0: <laughs> he does manage to catch himself right before saying that it's from Megabyte, but that's yeah. Well, he, he has, still slipped
1: slip that it's from hexadecimal. He
0: has no self control, that kid.
1: Right. So, as soon as they find out that it's for hexadecimal, they grab him and they x ray the package. And they're like, is it a bomb? Oh, uh, no, just a mask with a clock on it. Nothing suspicious there.
0: <laughs> Which I was just like, <laughs> you literally just thought it was a bomb. What part of a countdown makes you think it's not? <laughs> just,
1: just a counting down mask. <laughs> Looks like a mask with a clock in it.
0: I wonder if there's a market for something like that. They could have wires and be ticking. They'd be just like, oh, it's probably just the latest fashion.
1: So Enzo's banned from going and uh, Bob is sent to deliver it in his place. You know, oh yeah, here, you you take the bomb.
0: Dot's on top of stuff. She will take charge in any situation, even the small ones of delivering masks.
1: (laughs) And then so now we actually see hexadecimal. she's sitting on a spider throne, and uh, she's trying on different masks and just basically casually killing her spy cat just for fun and then uh, at the last second, she decides to like check out the Intel instead instead of killing it uh sees that megabyte has sent her a delete command in disguise.
0: hexadecimal. How great is she, right?
1: She would be, but her mouth never moves. She has these masks on. That's
0: okay. So they they definitely had a lot of limits with the technology that they had for animation and also how new it was to them. The idea of getting around it by having this character who doesn't actually have facial animations, but is No emote. No emotion, nothing to animate there, but they still managed to make her so creepy and so fun by Mm -hmm. having her switch out these masks every time she changes her emotion. It's so great. It's such a like a clever way of getting around it while still being an intriguing character. And
1: she doesn't actually specifically take off the masks. She just kind of wipes her hand in front of her face and then it's a different expression. Yep.
0: A little reminds me of the um the angels from Doctor Who. I don't know if you watched Doctor Who.
1: Oh, the we- the, the weeping, weeping angels, angels. Yeah. yes. Yeah, of course. You blink and her
0: her face <laughs> changes. Uh, it could right. be that one face though that she gave that was very weeping angel face with the screaming. But yeah, so she she's a changeable nature.
1: <laughs> yeah. As
0: soon as Scuzzy shows up, she, you know, sends him down to the depths of the ocean, uh, only to immediately change her mind and bring him back. Because no, she did want to see Scuzzy.
1: <laughs> now, she lives in a place called Lost Angles, yes. right? Which I did not get that pun until I wrote it down.
0: Yes, and I wrote that down <laughs> too. this pun only works on paper. Like,
1: Right, so Los Angeles, <laughs> for those of you who are, aren't as quick. Um, but it's apparently Toontown from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, because Bob is getting followed by these weird slug creatures called Nulls, and then he's stopped by a giant bomb falling in front of him, with, and a hole and it opens underneath him, and he falls down like this tunnel. I'm like, what is going on?
0: Yes, I did the same thing. I was like, where is this giant bomb coming from? How is this working? Huh, whatever. Uh- <laughs> Uh, But about Lost Angles, real quick, you can actually, in the intro, they show you all of Mainframe, um, and you get to see the different sectors of Mainframe, which they will, I believe they get to visit all of them throughout the course of the series, Uh, but you can Mm -hmm. see Lost Angles is its own tiny little island off of the coast of Mainframe,
1: which is Uh pretty cool. Yeah, they did mention that it was an island, I remember that. So Bob lands in Hex's lair, and immediately she acts like she wants to fuck Bob, too. Is it the Adam Duritz hair? (laughs) Like, I think everybody wants to get with Bob on this show. It
0: is the 90s boy band hair, I'm telling you. (laughs)
1: Because she's like, ooh, I wasn't expecting it to be you. And he's like, yeah, I have a package right here for you. I didn't expect it to be you.
0: And then they played the Mm. music, and then, oh no wait, Enzo's there, we can't. (laughs) She danced. She danced around with them a little bit before immediately right. putting a death mask on his face and literally throwing him to Megabyte.
1: Well, she's a re-gifter because she wants to send it send it back to Bob. She's like, "Oh yeah, I already have one of these masks, you know." So, but then she goes back to uh, killing the cat.
0: Yeah, poor Scuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> i love scuzzy he's i mean I'm, I'm a cat person so that's i guess that's not too surprising mm-hmm. uh but i love scuzzy and i love hexadecimal and this is like the last we see of her this whole episode and i was honestly i was a little disappointed in that
1: <laughs> now when bob is flying through the air the sky has like this interesting texture do you did you catch that do you is that just the normal sky
0: that's just the normal sky
1: okay it looked kind of like a circuit board in a way
0: that, that yeah, that's intentional. You kind of see it shifting through like the quote unquote clouds mm-hmm. that kind of circuit texture. They're sticking with their theme here, so Bob's flying through the air and dot uh just sees him casually flying. It's just like, I think that looks like Bob
1: yeah. And then she's tackled by Enzo, which that's his default move is just the tackle, right?
0: That is his default move, yes. <laughs> you,
1: see, you always see like the camera like zooming in on somebody who's like in terror.
0: Yes, and then it's Enzo coming their way.
1: And so, yeah, he tells Bob what happens. And so he refers to it as a Bob, but then the villains always refer to it as, as a delete command. So which is it?
0: Half of one, six dozen of another?
1: <laughs> okay. So... In
0: the end, the result is the same. Kaplui
1: Okay. And then Bob, instead of actually delivering the bomb slash delete command to Megabyte, decides to play a game instead.
0: Well, first he does his go-go gadget copter to (laughs) stop his fall. But yeah, he sees the game, and his guardian protocol kicks in, and he heads right there. Uh, Because again, a mask that counts down... That is bouncing from villain to villain uh, is not at all a clue that this might be dangerous. It's
1: not a priority. Because, yeah, nope. Enzo, <laughs> this made me laugh. Enzo goes, um, he's steering towards the game. And then Dot goes, he would. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dot knows him well already.
1: Yeah. And the purple GameCube really takes its time coming down this time.
0: It, it does, because, you know, everyone's got to get there on time for plot reasons. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, I know you told me that they can't enter through the side or they'll die. Yes. Um, but that still isn't really made explicitly clear. Like, Enzo's a little pissed when they barely make it to the bottom in time. He's like, you could have gotten us erased, kind of out of nowhere, but then immediately wants to do it again. Like, the consequences of side entry still haven't really been shown.
0: They haven't been shown. Yeah, they only ever kind con- I mean, they might explain it a little bit later, but right now it's only ever implied which you mm. see Dot risking both her life and the life of her little brother <laughs> to get to the bottom <laughs> of this game.
1: Yeah, she's going to do some like, ninja move.
0: <laughs> so yeah, not the best guardianship on her part. she <laughs> That's not in her program, <laughs> I guess. And we uh, get our second reboot of the series, which, so I've been scolded. I apologize. Uh, the symbol on their chest, which I don't know if you've seen it now that we've watch the second episode yeah. is an icon uh and has within it a PID, uh which is a personal identification code. Uh so that has their essence, you know, their their programming, their code in there. Uh so I'm they sorry, reboot. who's
1: telling you this?
0: Um one of our listeners. Okay. <laughs> and, and a future guest.
1: When does the show tell you that? <laughs>
0: oh, the show will tell you that later.
1: <laughs> All right. So <laughs>
0: I was scolded as a fan that I could not recall the name mm. of that. That it was called an, an icon. icon.
1: <laughs> okay. I mean, it's the, the triangles inside the circle, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we we get to see that they're playing Formula One.
1: Yeah, the game's a racing game, and the uh, bomb mask is attached to Bob's car. It's a bob bomb. I'm so sorry.
0: <laughs> uh, the little gag here of the binomes being too short for the pedals, so one has to be the pedals and one has to be the steering wheel is kind of funny. <laughs> I don't know how one knows when to when to slow down and when to speed up, but
1: <laughs> yeah, the user's car is painted to look like a shark and appears to be self-driving. And hey, there's keyless push-button ignition. How prescient!
0: Uh, so they, they do kind of fun stuff with that. So like how it's self-driving because one, the user's not actually there, uh, and right. two, at this point in time, you didn't usually have like. Body that you were like if you were in a racing game you didn't see like arms going you were the arms of course no so yeah. you know it makes sense but in the context of the time period I think for a little while anyways and then they start doing loop de loops and planes and
1: <laughs> right so I like that Bob immediately upon starting gets that stalling back and forth swaying that happens when you hit the gas too early in yes. Mario Kart
0: I was gonna say Bob doesn't know how to use the boost in Mario Kart you like. Looked- <laughs> Uh, but he catches up pretty quickly. Meanwhile, Dot and Enzo are joining the game way late. I don't know how they managed to catch up at all, but they yeah, do. Yeah, they
1: get a spot, but it's, like, way behind. So then Bob, Bob as he takes the lead, another car hits him. And so he turns around to face traffic. And this got a genuine gasp from me. It's so like, am I already becoming invested in this show already? It's, it's episode <laughs> two. I can't already start liking it. That goes against our whole premise. <laughs>
0: <laughs> ha ha, I brought you to the dark side. <laughs> You're scared for Bob's life. You love him. I was like, oh no. <laughs> it's just it's the 90s hair. Yeah. You megabyte. <laughs> and the all now. Everybody.
1: A Bob. So they all use the nitro button. All three of our characters use the nitro button on their cars to speed ahead. And I actually I got a legitimate laugh out of this exchange. So Dot goes, "Bob, your car is a bomb." And he goes, "You're telling me. It only comes with one nitro." <laughs>
0: And then Dot immediately flies off into the air. (laughs) Yeah. Because we've suddenly changed the rules of the game. Uh, and We're no longer in a normal Formula One game. We're in a Formula One game with mines and ramps. And well, everything's a hover car?
1: Yeah, so I wasn't sure if they were bumper cars or hover cars at first. It's, it becomes level two. Yes. And the user spams a bunch of mines onto the track. They're like, kind of like deadly banana peels, if we're doing the Mario Kart analogy. Um, and it kills everyone but the main guys.
0: The binoms <laughs> almost never end up being useful in these games.
1: Uh, Dot and Enzo pull a quick Sonic 2 special stage loop-de-loop and then hit a mine themselves.
0: They went out of their way to make them do that awesome move, and then immediately they're gone. So it's just Bob and the user out there, and they're in level three, which is now planes on yeah, it changes a to track?
1: <laughs> yeah, I thought that was funny, too. Like, they're in planes, but then there's still a track, and they have, like, loop-de-loops, and it's, like, kind of like Hot Wheels tracks in a way.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So Enzo, Enzo panics, but then Dot has an idea, and we smash cut to a fucking truck barreling through a bunch of tires. <laughs> And even though that shot is in the opening credits, it still made me laugh again.
0: <laughs> i I did the same thing. It was just for some reason Dutt's plan was to drive a semi truck through the finish line. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, like, that's now the second genuine laugh that I've got, and then there was an actual gasp, like, it's, the show is slowly winning me over. <laughs> but it seems like it's always, I enjoy the third act the best, like, I kind of just have to tolerate the first two acts, and then when they're actually in the game, that's when it gets good.
0: They they get some good stuff going on in the games. Uh, this one is, I'll, the racing games in real life and in reboot, they, I don't think it does it for me, but <laughs> there's some really great games later on that we'll see. Um, I did want to notice that uh, at one point, Bob talks about the user to Dot, and I believe he calls her a she, the user. So that was very progressive of Bob.
1: Also, how would he know?
0: I don't think I mean, he has no way of knowing, unless he's already completed his mission, and that's why we never see that he finds out who the user is. (laughs) But at the time, it was definitely, you know, there was that stereotype of gamers are guys. That's true. So the fact that Bob was just like, oh, she, the user... (laughs) is winning i was like oh you go bob
1: and they didn't even like make it a pink car or anything
0: no No, it's still just a shark
1: so just before the bomb goes off enzo and dot take a sharp turn in the truck and flip it over separating it and smashing the uh what would you call it the carriage the caboose
0: (laughs) they pull a mad max fury road here yeah the tank spoilers Um, for the end of mad max fury road
1: right so they separate and the tank smashes into both planes and uh kills both of them and it causes a new tear (laughs)
0: I can only imagine it would kill both of them. How they managed to survive. And then how Bob managed to survive. Well,
1: Bob gets out a glitch just before the explosion. And then uh, we hear, warning, game corruption. And uh, Bob sails in from the sky unharmed.
0: Yeah, and then everything goes to shit.
1: <laughs> well, here's the thing. He calls the giant energy ball an infinite data alice Loop. It's an infinite data alice a of course. And then they run away instead of fixing it. Nice job, guys. <laughs> You're doing awesome.
0: So, yeah, it's some kind of thing that implodes the game. Gets They just get sucked right inside. Uh, everything else gets sucked right inside. Uh, I guess the binomes and the sprites could also, but hiding behind the wall that is getting sucked inside somehow... Prevents it from happening. I'm gonna not think too much about this
1: yeah, so,
0: <laughs> hot resolution. Right,
1: the energy ball it sends out some EMPs and then turns into a black hole, and then we get a recreation of the last scene from Don Hertzfeld's rejected. <laughs> but then the GameCube just kind of melts away around everybody, and then moves into the sky to explode.
0: Yeah, and I don't think that player is playing that game again. Yeah,
1: but it said game corruption. So either like you know it just kind of like crashed and quit, or you know who knows what happened on on the user's end.
0: Or they'll eject it, blow in it, and try again.
1: Yeah. But there's happy endings all around. Megabyte fires Enzo and reveals that he's using hack and slash instead from now on.
0: I did like uh, one uh, Enzo apologizing to Bob Mm -hmm. and (laughs) yelling at Dot. They're having a moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Enzo being a sarcastic butt to Megabyte here. (laughs) Like, he has, this kid has absolutely no regrets about trying to deliver the package, failing to deliver the package. Almost killing them all. Yeah, no worries. Uh, and a little bit of flirting between Bob and Dot there, mm-hmm. right before they went inside. And
1: then we uh we close on uh, Hack and Slash appearing, having returned from trying to deliver a bomb to Hexadecimal, and she sent it back again, and then it explodes, and everyone dies. The end.
0: <laughs> I Megabyte needs to work on his bombs. Yeah. <laughs> if, first of all. You know, he probably sent that giant bomb that almost killed Bob in the first few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably his first attempt. Yeah. Uh, his second attempt was getting it through Enzo, which, let's be honest, is a horrible idea. Mm. And his third attempt can't even blow himself up with it. So how <laughs> are supposed to blow up hexadecimal with it?
1: Oh,
0: boy.
1: Oh, man. We blew through that plot synopsis, though, compared to last week.
0: We really did, and I think a lot of that is because the kind of ins and outs and like uh, the stuff that we were worried about in the first episode, Mm -hmm. like this jumping around in the story and not really being really linear, linear, is completely gone. Mm -hmm. On this episode, it is a very linear story.
1: Ultimately, not a lot happens either. It's kind of very simple.
0: It is very simple, and I'll be honest. if we're going to talk about now uh, what we thought of the episode. I wasn't very happy with
1: it. Hmm. It's funny because in my mind, like I actually really this is when I really started to enjoy it. Like the first episode was all right, but like I said by by the end of this one, I was kind of pretty much on board. You know, I was laughing and you know got emotional. (laughs) You (laughs) know.
0: So yeah, like, I'm glad that you did. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I'm glad you're getting into it. I was just, for some reason, this episode didn't like really resonate with me, which is a little disappointing because Mm. the first one I thought, even with all its flaws, had a lot more heart for me. And then this one I felt kind of, you know, it kind of petered out there, but I'll, I'll be honest, I've already skipped ahead to episode three, and it gets back into my groove, at least. Nah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you won't like it. We'll just go back and forth. Well, maybe
1: it was the Fury Road aspect of it that really resonated with me. So.
0: <laughs> oh, we will be doing some actual Fury Road. Well, you know, original Mad Max <laughs> references later on. But yeah, I think uh, maybe Furiosa stole a playbook from... <laughs> From Dot here. So I'm
1: kind of looking at my final notes here, and uh, I'm I'm realizing why Enzo wasn't given much to do in the previous episode. It's because he's annoying AF, and everyone who (laughs) has to interact with him is very obviously tired of his shit. (laughs) Like Megabytes, Um, like tapping his fingers, and like Dot's, like yeah, 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 okay, we're going downstairs.
0: (laughs) He is very much—I don't even know if "little kid" is the word. More like the stereotype of a little
1: kid. And Dot tells him to compile up. At one point.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which in in context is like, grow up. She's like, grow up. And he's like, compile up.
0: All the the little fun computer puns we get in there.
1: And kind of to your point, I mean, I know you were talking about the Warner Brothers stuff last week. Uh, I feel like those cartoony or Warner Brothers inspired moments, they still kind of feel a little out of place to me here.
0: They do still feel a little out of place. Um, And I'm trying to remember if in later episodes, because I know it's still wacky. I, I know the show does not lose its wankiness, which I do love. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm trying to remember if it's as if out of place as it is in these earlier episodes. It almost feels a little forced. Yeah. Like they have this story that they want to tell that's obviously a little bit, not more mature, but more mature than Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, stick some Looney Tunes humor in there. And yeah. And it, I love Looney Tunes. Yeah.
1: But it just, like, it does seem kind of... Yeah, forced and out of place here.
0: I love pickles and I love ice cream, but I don't want the two of them together.
1: <laughs> so let's get into a segment we call Bits and Bites, where Jessica brings the trivia.
0: Jessica doesn't have a lot of trivia for this episode, unfortunately. I think it's linear nature kind of brought down a lot of the, the little bits that they throw in there for everyone. Uh, but we already discussed, so we see Jean-Luc for the first time. Uh, this will not be the uh, last Star Trek reference that we get on this show. Um, it is a very minor one. It's Since the character itself has does not seem to have any personality related <laughs> to Jean-Luc Picard. Uh, but he shares his name, and he is wearing a Star Trek-esque outfit. Since this section is called Bits and Bites, uh, I'll point out that we do see an advertisement in the back for a eatery of some sort that asks you to grab a bite. Mm. V-U-I-T-E, of course. Yeah. Um,
1: I noticed a lot of things like those little signs in the background, and I didn't freeze frame any of them on these watches.
0: So, yeah, we had um, some of the signs in the background, so we had to grab a bite one. We had the Calvin Spline one again. Uh, we had one for buying the hover, the hover things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the hoverboards. <laughs> so, you know, nothing nothing too humorous in this one, uh, but right. we did get to see a little bit more of the advertisements. So we're on the racetrack uh, and we see a sign for Cifelli Tire, uh, which is a reference to Pirelli Tires,
1: okay,
0: uh, but without actually using the name. And we see that it's actually called the Monacoed racetrack instead of the Monaco mm-hmm. racetrack where F1 would normally be played. <laughs> One of the things I noticed wasn't in there, which I thought was very interesting. They didn't, maybe they didn't want to go for the obvious pun. Uh, but they at no point had a reference to it being a circuit, which is, you know, the mm. racing term. Yeah. <laughs> but also a circuit. <laughs> I guess I thought it was too easy. <laughs> and that's all for Bits and Bytes for today. Alphanumeric!
1: So let's get into the game now.
0: All right, let's get into the game.
1: Right. So for me, The uh, Formula One game they play looks a lot like uh, the Virtua Racing game for the Sega Genesis that was released in 92.
0: I found one that was for the computer for Amiga, Apple II, and Commodore 64 called the Grand Prix Circuit, released in 1988. But Honestly, there were dozens of these Formula One racing games around yeah. this time period. We had them for consoles, we had them for computers, and then we had them for arcades.
1: Yeah, straight up arcade. They make a reference to pole position. I mean, there's hints of Mario Kart in there and maybe some Super Hang-On, which is a motorcycle racing game. But, you know, there's there's tons of those types of... Of uh, video games.
0: And um, I was able to find a game that had a similar hover car mechanic to it called F-Zero, which came out in 1990. It was only for the Nintendo, but you, you know, you are a hover car and you had to avoid mines and traps. Mm. Uh, So it could be a reference to that. But I think when we get down to it, this game is Mario Kart. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah well what about the plane aspect is that because they were going through some like you know loops and, and uh hoops that were i tried
0: really hard to try and find a game that worked off that plane aspect and i could not i could not find a racing game with that kind of
1: i feel like there is one and and yeah it's just out of my knowledge base but
0: and it could have been a slightly different era too because i'm trying to stick to the late 80s early 90s right uh, tweet at to us to try and get it um, but you know, I um, played Mario Kart on my Switch recently, and you have a car, and then you <laughs> are on this magnetic thing where you hover, and then mm-hmm. you jump, and suddenly you have wings and you are flying.
1: <laughs> yeah. And
0: it just, I was like, this game was a little bit before its time. <laughs> <laughs> so would you play it?
1: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I was. I love it. I love. I love racing games like that. So that's right in my wheelhouse.
0: So Mario Kart, I have and and would play for sure. The actual F1 aspect of it, mm-hmm. I have zero interest in.
1: <laughs> I mean, it depends on the game. Like Virtua Racing was kind of fun. It's like a really low poly, um, but still kind of addictive at the time for me.
0: Yeah, I just... I am not that much of a racing game person. That's going to be... And maybe that was it. Maybe the lack of liking racing games was getting in my head this whole episode. Yeah. But yeah.
1: Is there one where they play a round of golf later on?
0: There is. I believe there's (laughs) at least two episodes. Two? (laughs) Yes. If you look at the opening, uh, there actually is a golf course as an entire section of mainframe oh boy (laughs) they don't even have to wait for the game to come down they can just go play golf
1: they've got their own their own (laughs) mar-a-lago this is wrong. this is all wrong. so our next segment is what we like to call the golden pigtail award for the frostiest moments where we try to pick out something weird or uh funny that stuck out to us uh, the golden pigtail, of course, referencing the first episode where Bob gets a strange hairstyle for a few seconds.
0: And it will stay with us forever.
1: Mm-hmm. So what did you find this week?
0: My nominee and winner, I can't even do multiple nominees here, has to be the fact that <laughs> Hexadecimal showed up in all it's of her ju- glory. Just Hexadecimal? Just Hexadecimal, <laughs> just existing. her very presence.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh,
0: though maybe Scuzzy is kind of a, you know, a runner-up there. Uh, yeah, the but little she- cat
1: ball was kind of fun. <laughs>
0: but she just you know her her personality of this this strange you know semi-malevolence but also kind of sweet <laughs> <laughs> and i get a kick out. the masks are great the way that they yeah. switch them out for the different uh emotions that she's feeling at the time it's just she's great she's wonderful i love hexadecimal
1: all right <laughs> Well, I have a couple nominees. Um, one of them was when Enzo's sitting at his screen, you know, in the beginning, and he has this, like, self-satisfied grin with, like, a head bob, and it kind of, like, just goes back and forth. It's a gif, and I know you've posted that gif before. So. <laughs> then there's a spot where uh, Bob, when when the uh, tear is about to explode, and Bob goes, run like you've never run before! <laughs> and they go, pew, pew, pew! <laughs> And then when Bob has the Infinidata um thing, which I still don't know what he said.
0: <laughs> okay. So, oh man, you just made so many fans really <laughs> unexpectedly happy right there. Because you didn't say the actual thing, but you said <laughs> a thing that's going to come up at the end of season three. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> so yeah, I guess I really can't tell you any more about that. <laughs> but everyone else knows. Everyone else is laughing with me.
1: Everyone else, yeah hey mom and dad (laughs) um but i think the uh winner for me has to be that scene where the slugs are chasing bob and then the bomb comes down and he falls in the hole like just that part that whole toontown sequence has to do it for me
0: yeah that that was definitely a moment
1: (laughs) (laughs) it was a moment and that's the golden pigtail so that's the golden pigtail award um and we're just about out of time. So what are you liking this week? You got any recommendations for us, Jess?
0: I do. I mentioned in the first episode that I make comics. I'm also a fan of comics, and I'm especially a fan of web comics. Right now, I am reading a web comic called Strong Female Protagonist with art by Molly Ostertag. Uh, and I apologize. I don't have the writer with me, but he's wonderful, too. <laughs> I'm an artist. I stick to them. <laughs> But it is a great story about a girl that when she was a young teenager, got superpowers, uh, went out, did the superhero thing. And now she's a young adult and is realizing that she can't necessarily punch her way to solving the world's problems. So she's dealing with real life and, and how she's supposed to fix real problems like you know poverty and inequality and things like that so it's it's a really good comic they delve into philosophies and power structures and it's it's really great work
1: sounds cool i've got two actually the first one actually i know you're a big fan of too and that's uh, star trek discovery i mean i'm in i'm in love with that show season one as this episode drops is probably just finishing up so you can get your binge finger ready on that but uh, the other thing I've got is a super fun band that's actually from nearby my hometown. It's called Uncle Shake. The only way I can describe them is kind of like a rockin' Tom Waits Annie. <laughs> you can find them online, buy their album Brain Music. You won't regret it. I mean, I like too many of their songs to recommend just one, but maybe check out Welcome Aboard. It's their album opener. But That's me. That's what I got.
0: All right. And so you can find the podcast... At incominggamecast.com and on iTunes and uh, on various social medias at Incoming gangcast, except for Twitter, where we are Incoming Game Pod. Mm. Womp womp. Uh, and you can find me, uh, Jessica, at Lady at pretty much every social media. That's S T I R V I N O Lady. Uh, and I mostly post arts and stuff, depending on uh, which which one I'm on.
1: And I'm uh, at Dudworks, D-U-D works, and I don't post much of anything. But you know that could always change.
0: All right. So next episode, uh, we will be on season one, episode three, Quick and the Fed, and we will get to find out what happens when a magnet enters the computer. <gasps> dun dun
1: dun. And thanks to Kevin McLeod for our theme music, Spasmatica Polka. Okay, so for our outro this time, uh, I think we take a semi and just drive it uh, right through. N-
0: n- no, 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 that's stay frosty, folks. Game over, user wins.